Welcome to Zila Food. Zila is the German word for soul, so soul food, but Zila food. This podcast is in conjunction with Zila Magazine, an online magazine bridging faith, cultures, and culture. I'm Ali Forti, an American Southern girl who travels and loves talking to people. I'm bringing you conversations from global movers and shakers from somewhere in the world. From these conversations, hopefully you'll be inspired to move and shake too. Thanks for spending time with me today. I hope you get fed. So let's begin. So you know that feeling when you get to meet a movie star that you really like or a musician whose music that you really enjoy listening to? That's how it was for me getting to sit down and chat with country music artist Devin Dawson. He's a real nice guy and... I've been wanting to interview him for a year or so now, and it recently happened. So Devin grew up in a house where music was at the center, and it was his his mom who brought the language of music uh, to come alive in him. Uh, he was making metal music initially, and he played bass for the band Shadow of the Colossus. But then he made his way into country music as a songwriter. That's his first love, creating lyrics. But he got deeper into the genre uh, and became a singer after he um, gained fame, uh, filming a mashup of Taylor Swift's songs, Style and Blank Space. His debut album, Dark Horse, was released in January 2018. And he toured, uh, or he's toured with Tim McGraw, Faith Hill, and Brett Eldridge, all pretty awesome artists as well. Uh, Devin has been nominated for CMA Awards, ACM Awards. He's performed on The Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon, Late Night with Seth Meyers, Ellen, and The Today Show. And he has a new EP, The Pink Slip, coming out January 15th. Two tracks from that EP have dropped already. One is called Range Rover. The other one is named He Loved Her First. Or He Loved Her, excuse me. He Loved Her. Uh, Range Rover, I burned a hole through that song already. Just having it on repeat. Uh, it's, It's a fun song. And He Loved Her is about his grandparents' love which you can listen to on YouTube. Uh, for 2021, uh, Devin plans to record some more of his music as well as hopefully tour when the world allows it. So we talk about everything from his metal days to what inspired him to go into country music, the pandemic, and this new EP. When you were in high school, and I know that you had like a metal background, did you think you'd be a country music writer and singer? Absolutely not. Never in a million years, I think. At that time, I was so obsessed with like heavier music. And I was just an angsty teenager just trying to get my rocks out, you know. And um, I think I just fell in love with music because it challenged me and I really enjoyed um, pushing my boundaries and then redefining them and then pushing them even further and then redefining them and how fast could I play? How technical could I play? How perfect could I play? And I think that's what I loved about, um, 
you know, heavy metal, death metal. But um, I grew up listening to a lot, a lot of country music with my mom and, but a lot, a lot of R&B and a lot of rock, and a lot of soul. Um, I just was very well-rounded musically um, because of my mom and, and how much she loved music. But I think country music was probably the most um, played genre in my household. And so I think that kind of subconsciously taught me how to write a song or at least how to write a country song. Um, and so when I, when I kind of got creatively tired of the metal band I was in, I started writing songs on my own, just kind of for own self-therapy. Um, and they just came out like country songs because that's kind of the background I had, you know? I don't know. It was super unexpected for me to, um, it's not like I like was like, I'm going to be a country artist one day, you know? But I think, you know, you're shaped by the things you're shaped by and that's not really something you have a choice in. Um, and so it was almost this sort of renaissance for me to um, kind of go back to where I came from. Um, um, I think everyone knows that country music is like even still relevant today because of the stories that it tells. And mm -hmm. I think that's why people who aren't Americans identify with, especially like mm -hmm. the love songs, maybe not the culture around country music, but right. where um, do you think your ability to write, and that's, would you say your first love is songwriting? Like to be able to tell the story, um, the stories of your songs, where does that come from? Yeah, um, you know, so much of my artistry is my songwriting, you know, and I always say I'm 51% songwriter, 49% artist, um, you know, just because, um, you know, the artist thing is like, it's never guaranteed. And not that the songwriting is guaranteed, but like, I can always, and I will always write songs. You know what I mean? Um, whether my music resonates on a bigger level as an artist or whether I have the luck or the timing or whatever, all these pieces need to line up to become, um, a superstar, I guess, if that's what your goal is. Um, that's always kind of undetermined, but I can always write a song. And so for me, that's something I know I can control and something I know I'm good at. Um, and I think the storytelling for me comes from being obsessed with, um, when and how you let people in on what you're trying to say to them. And I think that's something country music is so good at. Um, and I think it, it's, it's, it's kind of weird because I think a lot of the stigma for country fans or just the country um, culture in general is kind of this slow Southern ignorant, like mm -hmm. dumb thing, but it's like, we've really like challenged our fans to listen to these songs in a way that they need to listen and they need to understand what we're trying to say. And it's not just a once over, just a melody. Like the lyrics are challenging sometimes. Like in He Loved Her, or He Stopped Loving Her Today, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's like you get to the end of the song and you realize it's like, well, he stopped loving her because he died. And that's mm -hmm. the only way he would ever stop loving her. But like, it's like, it doesn't tell you that, but it's like, wow you know, it kind of challenges you to, to stumble upon what we're trying to say. Um, and not every song is served that way, obviously. The, you know, the easier songs are great too, and the harder ones are awesome. And it's just about timing and, and serving the idea. But I just really fell in love with the craft of how a country music song is formed and the idea of a hook and how you get there and what you tell very little, little along the way, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um... 
it's like when you're going through something in life, it's like, oh, there's a country music song for that. I, I don't think you can mm -hmm. always find that necessarily in other genres. Yeah, I think a lot of, I mean, I love R&B and rap and hip hop and all that. And my wife is actually like a um, pop singer, rapper. She's like incredibly talented. And so I really love that. But sometimes I just, it, I sound like an old man saying this, but sometimes I just get tired of, I'm better than you. I'm richer than you. I'm more badass than you. I've been to jail more times than you. Or I have more women than you. Whatever. I mean, you know what I mean? And so, but people could say that about country music. I'm sure they'd say, man, I'm tired of people talking about pickup trucks and front porch swings and chewing tobacco and beer. Like, I get it. We all have these buzzwords, you know what I mean? But, um, you know, I think, I think I personally just am, I gravitate more towards the heart of things and the vulnerability of things um and obviously there's great pop songs like justin bieber's new song lonely is super vulnerable and so good mm -hmm. um but i just you know for what i do and the things that i love you know that's why i'm here because that's what country music gives me exactly um did you think when you made the the mashup songs of taylor swift style and blank space that you would get the notoriety that you got at that time it's kind of a two-parted thing because yes, I did know it was great. Like I did know we had something special um, when we kind of sat down to do the arrangement and then listen back to the little iPhone work tape or whatever we did. It was like, wow, there's something there. We need to record that, like really record that because it's like, that's special, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but the other part of it is that, that I never did covers. That's like the only cover I've ever done. Like I never did covers when I was a kid. We always wrote our own songs as a band. I don't ever do any cover songs in my live set and maybe I need to, maybe it's like, maybe I'm untapping into this part of me or my, you know, that people resonate with or whatever, but um, I've always just been such a songwriter and I just want to say what I have to say. Um, but I think the reason I did love that mashup so much is because we made it our own. We made it different, you know, and we made it unique, but still um, stayed true to those songs, obviously. But I, you know, I knew it was great, but I knew that the chances of it, getting to where it was were very very small like I remember when we put it out I tried to ask one of my kind of digital guru friends like what's the best way to get this to Taylor Swift and he's like well just tweet it at all of her fan pages and I'm like well I'm not gonna do that <laughs> you know what I mean yeah. um, and then the next day she somehow came across it and she like reposted it and you know tweeted it and on Facebook and Instagram and all that and it just blew up and he texted me and was like, well, that was fast. You know what I mean? And, and so it's really just so much of what we do is really just believing that what you have and what you are is great and, and let, letting the rest, you know, do it, do its work um, outside of your control. So I'm really thankful for that moment. I think we all need a catalyst, you know, um, or, or a chance to get kicked into the eye of the storm. And um, that was definitely my moment to be kicked into the eye. And um, I wouldn't be where I am without it. So still haven't met Taylor. One day I'll give her a big old hug and say thanks. Yeah, maybe you two perform on stage together. Sometime. I would love to have that collaboration oh. at some point, but I mean, I might need a couple more hits before that happens. <laughs> I'm sure she's watching you and she has her eye on you. Um, she definitely has um, like put my songs on her playlists and things like that. And so I know that, um, you know, and she's invited us to her shows and things like that. But um, yeah, still haven't had a chance to say thanks in person, but one day. Yeah, one day, uh, step by step. Um, so this has been a challenging year for the whole world. How have you used yeah. 2020? Has it 
made your songwriting stronger, better, if you had more time? Yeah, um, man, I, I ended the year on the road and in the studio at the same time. So we would do Monday through Wednesday, Thursday-ish in the studio, working on this new EP or album or whatever. And then we would go on the road from Thursday to Sunday or whatever, and then start over again. So it was kind of a crazy end of the year. And then the beginning of the year, we had devoted to finishing um, the chunk of songs that we had gone in to record. So I was already like before February, March, like I was already kind of in um, like reclusive mode in a way. Like I wasn't out playing shows. I wasn't out at the bars, networking or whatever. I was in the studio hold up working on music and so I had I'd kind of already acclimated to the um, altitude of just being alone or being not being around many people you know and so I think I got a head start on that which I think helped me but um, also just making a record um, you know some uh, personalities that you know a lot of times are really hard to mesh together with you know players and producers and A&R and managers and all these people and, and I think just the heightened emotions of quarantine you know really made that hard to um, you know just figure out how to navigate those relationships and you know get what I think is right and what you think is right and really hear everyone's opinion but still like does that I'm getting me a little vague on that but like all I'm saying is that just you know I think the anxiety and the emotions of anything um, that you were doing during March and April were probably pretty heightened, you know, just because of the unknown of um, a deadly global virus, you know, and so also not like, what am I going to do once this music's done? Are we touring? Am I putting this out? You know, a lot of the unknown, I think, is what caused people to be a little unsure and maybe uneasy and, and anxious. But for me, the, the um, light in it is that you're right. I did have more time to write. I had more time to spend with my wife. I had more time to spend with my dogs and at home. Um, and I got more time to write by myself, you know, and that's not something I really do a lot. And so um, there's a couple songs that I've written that I think maybe are the best songs I've ever written just because I had two weeks to spend and let them come to me rather than force something in three hours with a couple of my best friends or whatever, you know, um, whether those songs see the light of day, I don't know, maybe it's too good. You know, maybe it's too deep or too big or whatever, but um, it was definitely therapy getting to have that opportunity to do it. And I've also spent a lot of time, um, you know, learning more about how to record myself and, and be more self-sufficient in my business. And so a lot of great things have come out of quarantine, but obviously I, you know, I had some pretty difficult things I had to deal with mentally, just like everyone else did, you know? Yeah. It's been a challenging year for everyone. Um, you've got a new album coming out in January. Um, yeah. can you talk a little bit about that. And I've been listening to Range Rover on repeat. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, thank you. I don't have any it's crazy, more, huh? More lemon in that or juice in that lemon. Cause I just yeah, it's it it's a song that really grabs you. Yeah, I mean it's definitely different for me just because I tend to gravitate towards the more emotional, heartfelt, like um vulnerable side of things as an artist. And so that one's a little bit more cheeky. Mm -hmm. a little bit more um just uh lighthearted, i guess yeah, but it's still it's a breakup song eerie. it's weird it's kind of a weird version of a breakup song because you're it's almost like a self-realizing breakup you know you're like wow this girl is not right for me you know mm -hmm. um but yeah so uh the pink slip ep comes out january 15th it's six songs um and it's it's very 
you know, I think it's the next step or it's very different than what, what this, I'm not the same guy I was when I wrote and recorded Dark Horse, you know, I, and it's been three years or whatever since that. And I've experienced love and success and I've gotten married and I've seen the world and a lot of different things have happened in my life. And that's this album or this EP is indicative of that. You know, I think it's a little bit more hopeful um, than the air of what Dark Horse was. And I hope it inspires people to um, break through whatever wall they need to get through, whether it's in your dreams or in love or in mental health or whatever it is. It's like, if I can do it, man, like, trust me, y'all can do it. You know what I mean? Um, and so it's a little bit different of a page for me to turn just as far as, um, you know, the colors, you know, uh, figuratively and literally. Um, but I'm really excited and, and um, I really am just eager to show that side of me, um, you know, whether it sticks around or not, I might go back to heartbreak soon, hopefully, but we'll see what happens. Um, not in life. I just, I just, it doesn't matter how happy I am. I just love singing and writing about sad things. And so I think, uh, I think the pendulum swings back and forth, you know what I mean? So. Yeah. Well, we do need those heartbreak songs. Like when you're going through a heartbreak, it's part of life lyrics really come alive because when life is okay or when you're um not heartbroken you don't really hear the lyrics i feel no when you are heartbroken you're like oh man that's so true i feel that so yeah yeah well i will uh those are the easy ones for me to write let's just put it that way okay and and range rover how did that come like was that just something fun you were thinking about Man, it was just one of these things that I, I wrote it with a guy named Ben Rector, who's an incredible artist as well, and a guy named Mark Trussell, who I write with a lot. And Mark's wife was thinking about getting a new car, and Mark was like, I think she wants a Range Rover. And Ben and I were both like, but she's, Grace is so sweet and gentle. She doesn't seem like the, the gold digger type that just drives the Range Rover, the trophy wife or whatever, you know? And so we kind of just were joking about the stigma of what are you know what kind of girl drives the Range Rover and we're like I feel like there's a song there you know it's like it's like the country version of Kanye's Gold Digger you know what I mean mm-hmm. um and it's so it's really weird to be like putting down the girl in a country song especially yeah. um but I think it's in the scope of like you know realizing that that type of girl isn't right for you and that the type of girl you're looking for is more uh, more the kind of likes country songs you know what I mean yeah yeah okay so two last questions um i've heard um other like i've been to london a lot i used to live there and a lot of country artists go there to perform and they always say that the london artists or sorry audience they seem to appreciate the music differently than their u.s audience um would you agree with that that your U.S. audience? Yeah, I mean, they're a little bit more attentive and a little bit more, not necessarily respectful, but um, I think they're just eager and they're thirsty for that kind of um, connection, you know? It's it's just like anything else. It's like grass is always greener, you know? If you can if you can always see an artist any day of the week, anytime you see them, it might not be a special, but if they only come once a year, you know, you're really going to soak that in. And I think that's why... I personally and so many of my friends love um, UK audiences so much. We have to change our show, you know what I mean? We have to put different songs in and to do them different ways because it's not just singing in a bar, you know? It's like, you gotta actually be good because they're listening, you know? Yeah, and they know your lyrics. 
mean, mm-hmm. not that the American audience doesn't, but um, yeah, they're embracing. Oh, no, you're right. Um, so uh, last question, what does your 2021 look like and will you be performing in Europe? Do you hope to go abroad? Yeah, I mean, I'm dying. You know, I've been to Europe two or three times a year for the last three years. And so that's something that's always been really important to me as an artist. And, and I love the fans over there. And so um, the answer is yes, as soon as they let me. They tell me I can go tomorrow, I'll come tomorrow. Um, so top of 2021, January 15th, the, the Pink Slip EP comes out, six new songs. Um, I'm actually going to be in the studio in the next couple of weeks, hopefully recording what's coming after that. So there's always always going to be more music coming out. And I really, really hope more than anything that we can get a show um, or a tour booked for next year. Um, that's the ultimate goal, because if not, I don't know how we're going to survive. It's going to be different. And, um, you know, I've had the same live band for almost eight years now. I met them all in college the first day I moved to Nashville. They play on all my records. And um, it's been a hard year for them because they're not making money. And so I've, I've you know, this is, might be a little TMI, but I've essentially just been paying them out of my own pocket. And um, uh, I can't do that forever. You know what I mean? Yeah. So hopefully uh, we get a chance to take care of our families um, in a safe way when everything is okay, obviously. But um, I'm looking forward to that. So. Yeah, that's awesome. I was just in Egypt a couple of weeks ago, and they're putting on events and concerts like there is no pandemic. And I'm looking around like, oh, was well, the- you guys have also handled it a lot better than the states have, you know what I mean? Um, and so that's also something we need to take into account. But regardless, you know, it's not going anywhere. We need to be safe and smart so that, you know, it makes it better in the long run, bottom line. Yeah. I agree. Well, I hope to see you performing in the UK sometime next year, and hopefully there will be a time where you're performing in the Middle East. Amen to that, man. I'm sure you've got some fans that you would think, wow, they're they're fans, (laughs) but um, there's a lot of Middle Eastern people who love country music, so. Well, I love it. It's good to hear. It's inspiring. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me, and um, stay safe over there, all right? All right. Thanks and good luck with everything. I hope you enjoyed this podcast conversation and that it fed you in some way to pursue your own dreams. Be sure to subscribe to Zayla Mag at ZaylaMag.com, S-E-E-L-E-M-A-G.com, where you'll be automatically entered to win our giveaways. And follow us on Instagram at Zayla Magazine, S-E-E-L-E Magazine. Till next time.